Mark chapter 12, and we are beginning at verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. While Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, why do the teachers of the law say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? The large crowd listened to him with delight. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pence. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Claire, for that reading. What's your relationship with rules? Have you got enough of them? Would you like a few more, perhaps a few less? If we do need them, like imagine if everyone decided they weren't going to follow the traffic rules anymore. Like, how many of us would make it to St. Ebbs tonight? Or imagine if St. Ebbs decided that we were not going to follow the food hygiene standards anymore. Hands up if you would eat another meal at church. All right, so a couple of... We had three, I was going to say, either brave or very foolish people at 11.45 who were determined to keep eating. And going beyond the legal, we accept that there are norms within our culture that if we have a takeaway cup, coffee, it's going to be in a recycled cup. That low plastic is the norm, a new moral standard. 
We want rules. It's why books like this one, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson, are so popular. We want to know how to live. Life's chaotic and confusing, and we want help. And yet, we struggle with rules. Like it's one thing to do the right thing. Now we've got to be seen to do the right thing. And if we keep the rules, we're proud. You know, I'm good and you're not. And yet they make us anxious. Like, what if I fail? What if it's my bad that people see? How will they judge me? And who decides the rules anyway? Like this new normal that we're conforming to, whose idea was it? Is there room for me to object? So what rules and norms and standards are you following? Because we all have them. And that's the issue in our passage from Mark tonight. Jesus has entered Jerusalem as a king with humility coming riding on a donkey. With audacity, he then cleared out the temple. And there's a clash of two kingdoms. And the religious leaders in chapters 11 and 12 ask him question after question, trying to trap him, trying to reestablish their control and authority. And Jesus knocks them all back. But then he says, okay, that's what I'm against. Now let me tell you what I'm for. And he reveals the rule, the ruler, and the rule embodied. So what will it mean for us to accept Jesus' one rule for life in his kingdom? So first up, the rule. Verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and hearing, heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? It's a good question, and a humble one. And when he answers, Jesus doesn't invent something new. He picks from the Old Testament. He quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then from Leviticus 19, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. These are famous words. They're profound words. But what do they mean? Well, let's begin with love. What is love? Like we use that word all the time, although sometimes we sort of limit it to romance or sex. What is it? Well, let me define love as devoted loyalty. It's loyalty. Some years ago, Pete Wilkinson, one of our ministers, stood probably about here, and I stood probably just there, and he said to me, Glenn, 
Will you take Elizabeth to be your wife? Will you love her, comfort her, honor and protect her, and forsaking all others, be faithful to her as long as you both shall live? And I said, I will. I promised my loyalty, saying no to others and yes to her. And loyalties standing with, not abandoning, holding firm. It could be to a spouse or to a sports team or a country or a set of beliefs or a friend. And it's devoted loyalty that involves our actions. We do things towards that person and for that person. It, we make sacrifices. And it also involves our affections our feelings and emotions and hearts. You know, love warms our hearts. We're overwhelmed by love. We burn with love. Love the Lord your God. Show devoted loyalty to him. Not divided loyalty, but to him alone. Not Lord for Sundays and Wednesday nights, and someone else the other days. You're not adding him to your life. He is your life. And we're to love him with all of us, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not 50% of each of those, not two out of four. You know, I love God with my heart, but not my mind. Or, you know, my soul's for God, but not my strength. We're all in. We love him with every part of us and from every part of us. And we love him and so we obey him. This isn't a choice between love and law, between relationship and rules. You show you love him by doing what he says with all your love, with your devoted loyalty. And this isn't some kind of personal thing between God and you, some private thing. Jesus adds another strand. Love for God expresses itself in love for your neighbor. They go together. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, don't take that the wrong way. He's not saying, before you love others, make sure you love yourself. It's time for some self-love. We all struggle at times with who we are. And what we should do then is look out to God, not in to ourselves. As yourself means love your neighbor as strongly as you love yourself. It's a call for empathy. It doesn't mean giving them everything they want. Love can say no. But it does mean getting close to others and loving them. But why does Jesus give this rule? Well, look how he starts his answer, not with a command, but with a statement. Verse 29, the most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Because he's one, then we are to love him with all. God is one and there's no other like him. He's unique. He alone is God. He is the one real and true God. But he's also one in the sense that he's not divided. The Greek gods who Jesus' audience would have known were a moody bunch. They were fickle and changing. And it took a real effort to stay on the right side of them because you never knew knew what you might get. You had no reason to love one of them completely. But God's not like that. He has integrity. He's whole and faithful and reliable. He's not one God one day and another God another day. He keeps his promises. His love for us is constant. He's one. Loving him with all is scary. That's a huge commitment. And loving our neighbors as ourselves is a high calling. But we can because of who he is. The unique God of integrity. Because he's the God who is one. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right. And this man gets it. And this rule, verse 33, is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. The Old Testament was full of laws and regulations. The temple was busy with rules and rituals. But without love, what are they? Empty. A show, virtue signaling. And Jesus says, here's my one rule for life in my kingdom. Is it the most important one for you? Do you love God or yourself? Do you love him with all or some? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? But Jesus isn't finished. He has more to say. And it's not, well, at least we've got something to agree on. It's, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Like, what an audacious thing to say. Like, as if Jesus can judge who is near and far. Or maybe he can. Because when it comes to the rules, who decides? And Jesus is saying, he can decide. Because he's the ruler. And that's what he's getting at in verses 34 to 37. This teacher is not far from the kingdom. Because the king is standing in front of him. Sir Robert Mayer was a wealthy businessman. And he made lots of money, and he used lots of money to support music and young musicians. And he lived to be 105 years old. And on his 100th birthday, some of his friends and colleagues got together, and they decided to host a party for him. 
And so they invited lots of people, and the party was in full flow. People were having a great time and chatting away to each other. And one of the guests was an elderly lady called Mrs. Diana Cooper. And she got chatting to another friendly lady who seemed to know her very well. So the two of them were chatting away. Now, Mrs. Cooper's eyesight, unfortunately, was getting weaker and weaker and failing a bit. So she didn't actually recognize the lady that she was talking to. But she kept chatting anyway, and she kept looking at this fabulous diamond necklace that this lady was wearing. And then she realized, Mrs. Cooper realized that she was chatting to the then Queen Elizabeth II. And she was horrified. She was overcome with embarrassment and she stammered, Ma'am, I'm so sorry, Ma'am, I'm so sorry. I didn't recognize you without your crown. And the teachers of the law are guilty of making the same mistake. They think they know who the Messiah is. He's the son of David. And they're not wrong. David's family was the royal family, and the Messiah, God's king, would come from it. But they're wrong in thinking that he would be just another David, and no more than that. Now, the crowd loved what Jesus said. To be honest, I think we find it hard to work out what he was saying. But what Jesus is doing here is quoting from Psalm 110, which was a psalm of David. And in it, David says, the Lord, that's God, said to my Lord, that's the son of David or the Messiah. Now, at that time, everyone knew that David's son would be inferior to David because sons are inferior to their dads. But Jesus calls, but David calls his son, my Lord. In other words, the Messiah is greater than David, Israel's greatest king. Because he's more than simply a human son. He's God's son. And his rule is greater than David's. The psalm goes on, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. That's the most important seat. The one with authority to rule and to judge. And Jesus is saying, do you recognize me now, even without my crown? And that's still the challenge from Jesus to us. Is he who he says he is? What if he doesn't fit into the box that you have made for him? Oh, he's just a son of David. Oh, he's just a spiritual leader, not God. Oh, he's just a fictional, mythical character. Are you failing to recognize him without this crown? Will you look closely at his claims about himself? And David says, go a step further. And like him, will we call him Lord? My Lord. And not just recognize his rule, but obey it. Submit to the ruler. Love the ruler. Jesus, the Messiah.
but what does it look like to follow this way of life, this rule and this ruler? Well, finally, the rule embodied. And Jesus gives us an example to avoid. Watch out for the teachers of the law. Because with them, it's all about appearance. What's on the outside? Style over substance. And they love dressing up to show how important they are. And to be acknowledged as such, called by their proper titles, sitting in the most important seats, long prayers to show how pious they are. And if you were to ask anyone in the temple who embodied the Old Testament law, they would tell you the teachers. Just look at them. And Jesus says, look out. This is first century virtue signaling. It's all show. They don't love God and not with all of their hearts. And they don't love their neighbors. If they did, they would care for widows and orphans. Instead, they devour widows' homes. They exploit the vulnerable, sponging off them to fund their lifestyles. And Jesus takes their disobedience seriously. There will be justice. What they've done makes them enemies of the Messiah and they will be punished most severely. The Lord will put them under the Messiah's feet. And we're to hear the warning too. One of the biggest criticisms of the church is that we are hypocrites. So how concerned are we to obey the rule? Or have we settled for being seen to be righteous? rather than being righteous. I know at times we all feel like hypocrites. Like someone thanks us for serving or appreciates our character, and we think to ourselves, if only you knew my heart. But what are we like when others aren't looking? Does the private you love the Lord with all, as the public you gives the impression of. How good are you, how good am I, at practicing what I preach? We need to examine our hearts and watch out for each other, lovingly challenging each other about our motives and helping each other to watch out for this widow and to imitate the temple treasury was a busy place. Lots of people were coming and going, doing their business, and noisy. There was no tap and go in those days, no contactless payments. Believe it or not, people even carried cash. And their offerings made a noise, and large amounts made a large noise, and everyone would stop and look. That was a serious amount. They must be seriously holy. And along comes a widow. No one notices her. She's a nobody. And her two small copper coins make no noise. Maybe they were her last two because her home had been devoured. You don't know. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury 
than all the others. Not in terms of amount, but in terms of sacrifice. They could still go shopping and buy lunch and book that holiday. They still controlled their wallets and finances. They gave what they could spare, but she spared nothing. She gave up her control, her soul, her life, her all. How stupid. Like, why not put in one coin and keep the other? But she embodies the rule. Love God with all. Love your neighbor as yourself. And for us, it's crazy, isn't it? Giving your all to Jesus. Like, what a waste. Devoted loyalty to that man. Like, the smart thing to do would be to play it safe. To spread your bets. To hold things back. Like, what will people think of you? Your reputation, your popularity will take a hit. Like, all. But then, I'll have to trust God for my friendship and my career and my future. I'll have to surrender control of my bank account to Jesus. I don't know where loving him with my all might take me. Like which neighbors might he call me to love? This rule of Jesus is costly. I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know if I want to afford it. And yet, no money, no time, no life is too insignificant when we give it to the Lord. Jesus notices it, and he values it, and we can trust him. As that widow walked away, I suspect the disciples failed to grasp the deeper significance of what Jesus was saying. She put in everything, all that she had. Because that's what Jesus was doing. He's not asking you to do something that he hasn't done himself. He tells us the rule of his kingdom, but he lived it out. He embodied it, loving his father with all that's why he left heaven and his father and came to earth. And loving his neighbors as himself, like the four gospels show us that again and again and again. He's the one ruler who acted with complete integrity. No show, no hypocrisy, no ego. And then a few days after this incident, he gave his all, his final breath, his whole life, when he died on the cross because he loved his father and he loved his neighbors taking the punishment for all our sins facing God's justice for all the times we've broken his rule and failed to love as we should for all our show and hypocrisy and selfishness 
And when you see love like that, and know how you've been loved like that, and experience that love in every part of your life, then you can love him with your all and offer what you're holding on to to him and day by day trust him with your all as you live out this rule for this ruler. Let's take a moment to reflect on God's word. Perhaps to bring to the Lord an area of our life that we're holding back, that we know we need to offer to him. Perhaps thanking the Lord Jesus for giving his all for us. And then I'll lead us in a prayer. Lord Jesus, your rule is is challenging, very challenging, very hard. And yet thank you that you don't ask us to do anything that you haven't done yourself. Thank you for your love for your Father and for us. Thank you for giving your all, for dying for us. So please, Lord, help us this week to love you with our all, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, you know the battle within each one of our hearts, the areas that we hold back. Help us, Lord, to give them over to you, to trust ourselves, to surrender control to you, to live for you. Lord, we cannot do this on our own. We need you. We need each other. Please help us, we pray, that we might give you all the glory. In your name we pray.